Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And I'm the ghost of Casey Kasem. <laughs> and welcome to the Backstage Show. So we're just going with the Casey Kasem intro? Okay. If you want to. Uh, sure, why not? This week on the Backstage Show, Glenn does really bad impressions for <laughs> some unknown reason. I don't know what's going on. Too much caffeine. I was enjoying it. Well, that's good. At least somebody is. You so, amuse me. <laughs> somebody's somebody's got to do it. I, I, I don't even know what that means. Okay. Amuse me? Yes. <laughs> okay. Hopefully we're amusing some of our listeners. And, and if you know, not, tough. Yeah, if not, no, not tough. We want to, well, I don't know. Is this? It's not a comedy show, so... Even though we're just hilarious. Okay, uh, we, we do actually have a topic, so uh, why don't we go ahead and introduce that? We're, we actually, uh, so a while ago, on my internet travels, uh, I came across an article. This article was uh, in the uh, Arts People blog. Arts People is a uh, website. It's a ticketing website. I know Barley Sheep does their tickets through them. Uh, there are probably other community theaters, and oh, I mean, that's their whole gig. But anyway. And the website for that, in case you're interested, is www.arts-people.com. Make sure you put the dash in there. That's their website, not a sponsor. So they're just a, giving credit where credit is due. Yes. <laughs> so they have a blog, and they had a, a guest writer on that blog uh, by the name of Patrick Spike. He does have his own blog. I, I think he might be patrickspike.com. I'm not sure about that, but you can look him up. So this blog, uh, we'll, we'll throw the link to the actual blog in the uh, show notes. So, on the website? Yes. No, which on, is? No, not on the website. On the show notes. Okay. There's show notes right in the show. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, from we include those the all the downloading time. Downloading the podcast. Blurb. Yes, downloading the podcast. Well, they'll also I'll, the, the link will also be on our website, which is backstage.link. There you go. Or you can email us and ask us what the link to that blog is at podcast at backstage.link. There you go. So anyway, this article was about the expectations of community theater. So we are doing an episode discussing the expectations of community theater. Indeed. And this is just my own opinion on this uh on the expectations associated with community theater, mm -hmm. having you know become familiar with the scene, as it were, in this area over the past 17 years now, yep. roughly 17, 18 years, I would say that I have seen many productions that are easily can be considered professional quality. Yeah, you know, maybe the production values aren't quite what you'd expect to get from a professional production. In, sure, sure. I mean, the budget certainly aren't. The budget certainly not. But as far as just the sheer talent level of the people involved, mm -hmm. I would easily put it or probably say it best some examples of professional productions. Now, I guess one of my questions with that is— And I'm not necessarily referring to stuff I've done oh, right, exclusively. Right. I'm talking about in general more so as— a viewer mm -hmm. as an audience member of other productions. Now, do you think the quality has gone up over the last 20 years? Do you think it has maintained level? Gone it's down? hard to say. No. Uh, I think it probably varies from production to production. Sure. You know, some are certainly better than others. Mm -hmm. But overall? Overall, I'd probably say it has maintained a relatively consistent quality mm -hmm. Now, on average. So in line with the expectations, do you think because there are certain productions that are professional quality, at least in the acting and, and, and so forth. Do you think that increases the expectations? Absolutely. Yeah. And do you think the expectations, aside from whether or not the quality has gone up, do you think the expectations for quality has increased? Probably 
if if a particular theater I think has established a reputation for mm-hmm. quality productions, then yeah, I would say that that becomes the expectation of yeah. the audience. I feel overall, and, and this article seemed to back that up somewhat, that over time expectations of community theater have increased, and people are anticipating better shows and expecting better shows. Now, I think a lot of that is the audience that's outside of those who participate. Because those who participate know what goes into it and knows how hard it is to find that time. Right. But audience members, which are somewhat on the increase outside of people who are actually involved with the theaters and with the shows, they're coming in. They're they're there to be entertained. That's their sole purpose for Yeah, I would agree that the majority of your audience at a typical community theater performance are people who are not directly involved in the production and Mm -hmm. don't have the insight as to what went into it. Yeah, and I think as community theater started off, I think it was much more uh, people just involved with the theater. And it was just people putting on shows for each other in a way. Yeah, well, there's certainly some percentage of that audience. Mm -hmm. Or that's certainly some part of your audience, people that you know. Yeah, it certainly still is. But I think that used to be a larger part of the audience. Okay. But I think especially when theaters have, say, a season ticket base, yeah, I, I would venture to say that the majority of the season ticket holders are not people who generally get involved with the production. Right. They I mean, just anybody, go to see them. Generally speaking, anybody that's going to be involved is going to be somebody who's probably a member, not a season ticket holder, because right. as most members of community theaters know, that's the better value. <laughs> so even if you're not getting involved, a membership is cheaper than a season ticket pass for the most part. Usually. Sorry for any theaters that we've now given that away about. <gasps> I think most people listening to this are probably already involved and already are members of certain theaters. Well, I think I think there are many people, the typical people who become season ticket holders generally mm-hmm. don't necessarily have an interest in getting well, uh, yeah. involved in the production. They just want to go they're, see them. They're there to see the shows. They're there to be entertained. They're there to, to some extent, support the theater. Right. So, yeah, that kind of goes back to the element of the community aspect of community theater right. as far as and we've discussed that before with you know they're supporting the community and the community supporting them right but you know it also ties into what you said earlier with the entertainment aspect mm-hmm. that this is a group uh probably a lot of the season ticket holders are going there for the sake of okay we've seen shows here we've liked them this is a fun thing for us to go do we'll right. become a season ticket holder and, again and support yeah makes sense so with mr spike's uh, article So he kind of like went back and looked at how community theaters came to be and started off talking about, you know, a progression of the theater arts, so to speak. So this kind of started with, you know, a show would have an out of town tryout and then it would move to Broadway. And that was pretty much that. So it was just Broadway. That's all there was with shows. Maybe you'd get a regional tour. Uh, from there, it kind of moved to you know larger cities wanting to get their own local theaters. So you got regional theaters in larger cities, and then certainly Philadelphia falls yeah, into that Philadelphia category. Philadelphia falls in. I mean, you know, Los Angeles, the, the Chicago, yep. uh, you know, theaters in in large cities all around the country. Sure. And then uh, eventually royalties got loosened up a little bit. And when royalties got loosened up, that's when the community theater started cropping up. And that was just like a group of people that were like, hey, let's put on a show. And it would be their family, their friends that would come attend it. So I don't even think there was so much of a season ticket base when these community theaters started cropping up. But I mean, we're talking like well before our time. Right. Um, But beyond that, you just have uh, local repertory theaters and that kind of thing. And interestingly, so... There's um, also... Yeah. I didn't really go into the article, but I guess there's also something called summer stock, which yeah, admittedly I don't exactly know what that means. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that everything was quite covered in there. Uh, summer stock is a, a also a New York thing. Well, I mean, it was a New York thing. 
So, I mean, but it was, or was that of traveling? That might've been traveling. I guess we should have done better research. <laughs> so if you've got better answers for us and can tell us what summer stock is, give us an email, podcast at backstage.link. Please give us some feedback. We don't care if you just want to tell us, boy, you guys are idiots. At Please this point, I just like to, to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> the way we are, we're always begging, it makes it sound like we get no emails at all, but we have gotten a few. So, so keep them coming. And, uh, but Glenn us. reads them. I never do. Yeah. Well, I, mean, you know, I forward them to him, to him if it's uh, if it's important enough. So, so say something important, and Jim will hear it too. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I, I want to say, um, um, uh, what's the name of the? Uh, oh shoot! Now I'm forgetting the name of the show. Noises off. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Wild ass guess. Uh, Jim has now read my mind. It's getting scary. Be scared. Yeah. So noises off. I have seen, I believe, four productions of that. Uh, I saw it a a. Uh, a, a, a region, no, not a regional, uh, a repertory theater, a local repertory theater, uh, Hedgerow. Their repertory, right? I believe. So that is technically professional. I don't know. I believe they are. So I've seen it there. I saw a community theater production at Stagecrafters. I saw a professional revival on Broadway. And You've seen it at People's Light in theater, too. And People's Light. Because I saw it with yeah. you. And they are also, they're like one of those quasi-professionals. Yeah. I mean, they have... Some professional actors there, but they do also have a few open auditions for select roles, I believe, right? You could be right. I yeah. I mean, this was the other thing. I'm familiar with their operation. Yes. Uh, Mr. Spike's article also talked about that, where it's kind of blurring the line between professional and community theater and what makes it professional. Is it, if you're getting paid, is that automatically professional? Or? I guess technically. Yeah. So Otherwise, anyway. it's amateur or... I like to think of it as volunteer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is volunteer. But uh, so of these of these four productions of Noises Off, the worst one that I saw was the Broadway revival. Interesting. The two best ones were probably the uh, the the local prof- quasi professional professional Hedrow and uh, People's Light People's Theater. Light were probably the two best that I saw. And uh, Stagecrafters did a really good job with it too. And they were very creative with the set there. Yeah, they had some challenging logistics to deal with yeah. in terms of being yeah, for able the, to for those less familiar with, with noises off two the way stories. it's designed, it's two stories and, and it's supposed to turn around. Correct. So yeah, they, they had some unique challenges to do it there. But anyway. But I would venture to say that, you know, from the, the patron's perspective, the experience of going to say People's Light and Theater or Hedgerow mm-hmm. probably isn't dramatically different in their perception from going to Yeah. Yeah, depending a, a volunteer theater, other than the perception of the probably the budgetary yeah and you can usually tell i mean like community theaters i there's a there's a certain sense of uh it's a little more slick a little cleaner cleaner is not the right word because it's not like these theaters aren't clean but there's something a little bit more put together finished that's that's what i'm looking for the audience area and that sort of thing is usually a bit more finished like in a hedgerow and yeah like uh, but then there's certain community theaters, like, you know, when we, when we had the interview at VPH, like, their lobby now is beautiful. It's, like, all brand new. The bathrooms are— It was redone are, a few are, years ago. Exactly. So so they have kind of that feel. Stagecrafters is a little slicker, a little more finished. But then you go into Barley Sheaf, and it's all, you know, we put out chairs, and the floor needs to be painted, and that sort of thing. So while the quality of production may be the same, and once the lights go out, it doesn't matter. You're, you're not really seeing any of that, but— a lot of these community theaters... Maybe you're feeling it, though, depending on be. the comfort level of your seat. <laughs> I think they're comfortable enough to, to last a show. But a lot of it comes down to the uh, these buildings. Are, they're usually converted buildings. I mean, so there's a few converted barns out there. Barley Sheaf is a converted uh, Oddfellows Hall. So it's just hard to wedge a theater into 
what is essentially like a home. Like, you know, Forge is a former funeral home. You just don't know what it's going to be, and you do your best to convert it, but, like, Barley Sheaf has no lobby because there's no place to put a lobby. Right, based on the arrangement of the building. Yeah, so that might give a different feel. So maybe... Does that raise? Does that lower your expectation? It doesn't raise your expectation, but does it lower your expectation? <laughs> I'm not really I, sure. I'd be curious to know that from audience members. If they walk in there and like, oh, there's not even a lobby here. I, I guess I shouldn't expect a good show. I, I don't know. Because well, I think I think once people go to shows at the place and yeah. get the sense of what the performance level and the talent level is, mm-hmm. then, then that's, they get a sense. that's the main determinant of the expectation. They'll eventually deal with the, the element of the, I don't know, the, the quality of the patron experience right of the facilities but then what is their experience or, or in their lack of experience where does that put their expectations i'd say if i were coming into a place new the first time that may kind of inform the experience a little mm-hmm. bit but then like i said earlier just becoming familiar with the types of shows they they would perform right you'd have it would kind of recalibrate your expectation i would think right but then that that you know we had our notes separated into an insider's view and an outsider's view and i think we've mostly been covering the outsiders right but i'm kind of curious because you're saying you know you get a feel how the shows and then you know what to expect but what about your you know if you're going in cold how do you from the theater standpoint how do you try to get people's expectations and how high do you want them i mean do you really want to have people walk in and think, wow, this is like really slick. This is a clearly a professional place. This show's going to be good. I mean, you don't want them thinking the show's going to be crappy, of course. Or else they'll never come back. Exactly. Or, but I mean, I don't know. If you want, the, if you, if they walk in expecting the show to be crappy and they're pleasantly surprised, they might come back. Yeah, but I don't know how many, how many theaters think that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't think any would. But uh, then, I mean, how, I then how do you My raise impression those is generally that most theaters. You know, one encourage people to come, and some productions have probably a harder time getting the theater filled than others. Yeah, and sometimes that's just due to theater size, perhaps. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't see that many theaters would be trying to uh, lower people's no, expectations. I guess not. I guess not. <laughs> but so, I mean, from an insider's view, I, I feel like that gets you get very biased very quick because as you get used to certain theaters. So, like, you know, when you're going into Village Players, you know what to expect. When I'm going into Barley Sheaf, I know what to expect. There's a lot of... Or the barn or playcrafters. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover casting from show to show. I mean, there's usually, you know, new people come and go, and sometimes certain shows will have a lot lot more people than you're... that you're less familiar with than others. But overall, you get to know a theater, and you get to know what to expect as an insider. Yeah, I I think you get a sense of the reputation and how things work yeah. there and what the constraints are of that mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. group. And I think with certain theaters, with certain directors that you become familiar with, with certain shows that maybe you know certain directors are good with, I think your expectations go up over time. I, I, I'm pretty sure mine have. Well, I think if you... <laughs> I would think that probably uh, plays a big role in people deciding to audition for a show or not. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Because so, you know, that's the thing. Like, you're going, oh, this is going to be a good show. So the I want to be involved. Yeah, the reputation, the quality of the show itself, mm-hmm. the people that you know of being involved with it right, are right. all going to inform that that sense. And, you know, I mean, you you know, you or I, if we were to go to an audition and find out, oh, you know, this might be an interesting show, but I have concerns about 
you know, is this going to turn out well? Right. You know, like, a director this... that maybe you haven't you you haven't really liked their stuff as much. Right. Or maybe you're not sure this particular theater might pull off this type of a show. Sure, sure. You might have reservations about it. Yeah. I mean, I've gone to a few blind auditions in, in the even in the last few years where, oh, I don't know this theater. I don't know this director, but I'm really interested in the show and the role. So I, I, I guess just because of my situation with, with having a, a young son and really having to select what I'm going to be spending my time on, I'm more apt to go after a role than I am to be like, oh, this might be a fun show to be involved. Mm -hmm. So my expectations as far as stepping in as an actor don't matter as much. If I'm going to go see a show, I'm tending to stick to my home theater because it's, again, really hard to find the time to go to something. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm supporting this theater. My expectations are moot. Right, because it's more the connection to that specific theater. Yeah. So it's just it's just an interesting place that I'm in right now. Well, I kind of wonder too with you know patrons and season ticket holders. I think they probably have the same approach. They probably generally stick to a stick particular to a single theater. theater. Mm -hmm. That's my hunch, anyway. So I guess without having conducted a survey or any sort of uh, research whatsoever. Right. Yeah. There's probably not a lot of crossover. I mean, I'm sure there's there's got to be like some season ticket holders that are like between lo location wise between two theaters, and maybe they're members of both theaters or, or season ticket holders rather with both. It's possible. Just they like theater. And, and I guess, you know, that comes down to our expectations on the rise. And does it matter whether they are or not? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's fair. You left me speechless. I've left you speechless, yes. Well, I, I, I guess that's kind of, to me, the key question here. And, and the real reason that I wanted to address expectations of community theater is our expectations on the rise and does it matter? Well, I think the perception of whether expectations otherwise matters to the people who are putting on the production. Yeah. Certainly. You know, How so? Because they have to live up to those expectations? Yeah. The sense mm -hmm. of, well, I think I think anybody usually involved in production has the general sense that they want to put on a good show. Right. Now, you might find that the level of seriousness of different people can vary in sure. terms of that. Sure. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if some people are also maybe prioritizing having fun with it over mm -hmm. the quality level to some degree or trying to find a balance between the two. Right, right. That's, but, that's what I always do is try to find a balance. Right. I mean, you could, you, could, you could put on a production that, you know, tries to shoot for the stars as far as this is like the best version of X play that you're going to see around here in the right. next couple of years. But people can have an absolutely miserable time putting it together. Exactly. But I also find that if you're having a miserable time, it's probably not going to turn out to be a good show. If the cast gets along... And if people are enjoying themselves, then I think it's more likely to be a good show. And and that's especially true of comedies. If right. they're having fun, I mean, you know, the, the joke is it's if it's kind of an insulting thing to be like, it looked like you were really having fun up there. <laughs> but I think there's something to that. I mean, I think that's not, you know, people use it because they can't think of anything else to say. And it's the first thing you think of. The first thing I think of to say. Yeah. But I think it's it's kind of like that. And how'd you learn all those lines? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think it looked like you were having fun up there, particularly with a comedy to me is a compliment. I mean, so if you ever hear me say that, I'm probably complimenting you, uh, to probably. me, the, the uh, probably I'm not promising anything <laughs> to me. The ultimate thing to say is the set really looked great. Oh yeah. That's when you're like, Oh boy. <laughs> they Your the costume show. was awesome. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. That's yeah. a great hairstyle. So, okay. So we're both directors. Have you noticed in the shows you've directed do you feel like expectations are higher than when you started directing on your later shows? I would say yes. Now, 
How about your own personal expectations? Are, are, are you giving yourself a harder time? Maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. I uh, know I did that to myself at first. I think the first couple shows I was involved with directing, I probably, not to say that they turned out badly, but I probably mm-hmm. maybe slightly more prioritized the fun factor right. of doing it. <laughs> It's hard over the quality level of the show. Yeah. I think as I've become more experienced with it, I've probably focused a little bit more on trying to put on a good show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes to my own detriment as far as driving myself up a wall. Yeah, it's or becoming frustrated. Personally, as a director, I've had I've really struggled to find that balance. I mean, I, I kind of I think I started off taking myself way too seriously and then I kind of slipped into a little too much fun and then I was just kind of like feeling pressure and then I finally kind of came through and found a balance with, you know, enjoying it, putting on a good show and making sure that people, you know, wanted to work with me again, (laughs) which I I think think it's hard because it's definitely difficult because, you know, as we're well aware, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into these productions. Absolutely. And it. You know, with everybody generally having other jobs and other activities and mm-hmm. other things in their mm-hmm. lives, it it nerves can get frayed Absolutely. easily, especially when it comes down to the wire. And I think that was also one of Mr. Spike's points in his article was that you're getting audience members, you know, again, I'm, I'm slipping back into the outsider's view, but people are coming in here not realizing that you're rehearsing over several months outside of your work hours and putting in all of this extra work that you don't have to do. You're not getting paid for it. You're there for the love of theater, really. Theoretically. Theoretically. So Until I hate it yeah. <laughs> for being here all the time. Well, we can talk about that in a future episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's just, are these expectations too high? Are people expecting professional work out of people that are doing this in their spare time for the love of the game? I would probably say that to some extent, I have put those expectations on myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I put them on myself when I direct as well, when I act. You know, we, we're both kind of perfectionists and we aim for this and some people are more than others. But at the same time, I don't recall very, very, very few, an extremely small percentage of people that I've worked with have been, have not been there and putting in their all for these shows. Mm-hmm. So I think over time, because I've become accustomed to that and there are very few people who don't put in their all, my expectations have increased. Yeah. Uh, I certainly don't think we're the only ones who feel the way we do about how we approach a show. No, I, I absolutely not. I mean, I think a lot of directors are perfectionists. I think that's one of the things that potentially makes a good director. So in a way, we're kind of all putting pressure on ourselves to we are try to put out a professional quality product. As professional as we're capable of at any rate. and Given the constraints of our budget and, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we exceed those constraints of our budget by... Chipping in a bit of extra yeah. money or whatever. <laughs> I've certainly been there. Or, uh, you know, doing extra work or whatever yeah. to it. You know, things that you get to a point where, you know, you put up a set or you've painted a set or whatever and you mm-hmm. think, uh, well, given given the time that I have and, you know, we're about to come go up, is this good enough? Yeah. And then you keep telling yourself, oh, but it just needs yeah. this. Yep. Or, and you end up there, you know, eight o'clock the, the night before you open. Trying you end up to living and up. sleeping at the theater. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I've backed away from directing somewhat is because now that I have the kid, I can't I can't commit that kind of time. Yeah, it is a huge commitment. It, it is a huge commitment. So that brings us to 
are these higher expectations a good thing? And I, I can't, I can't say whether or not they are. I mean, I do think they're leading to some really fantastic productions that I've seen in the last few years, but they're wearing some people out and they're causing, there's causing some burnout. They say you got to suffer for your art. They do. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. And, and I think we need to discuss this. You know, maybe we'll throw that in next week. We'll talk about theater burnout. Yeah. Because I think that's what this striving for perfection and striving for these better and better shows. Yeah, we're getting them and we're getting some fantastic shows, but some people are getting burned out by this. And it's a hard thing to to maintain. Yeah, uh, especially for people who, you know, maybe it becomes kind of a love-hate thing after a while. I mean, theater becomes a big part of their life. They like to do it. They like to be involved in a lot of shows. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's a big part of their social circle. Sure. That, you know, a lot of their friends are also involved in theater. And that's a big way that they, you know, get to spend their free time and be together and do things. But you do that too much. Too much of a good thing can... But be then, bad. right, and then you kind of you kind of that sounded insightful, profound. Too much of profound. a good thing can be bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then so so then you end up being like, okay, I need to back away from this for a while, and then you back away, and then you're like, well, now I'm not seeing my friends anymore because yeah, they're still involved like, with shows. <laughs> I was gonna bring that up whenever we talk about burnout. Yeah. But then you start to feel like you ever get that feeling like maybe a week or two weeks after a show closes, and you're like. I don't know what to do with myself uh, now. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think we'll, we'll we'll probably just lead into that next week. I think so. Yeah. I, this might be a somewhat short one. We forgot to record uh, time, but I, I think we can... I think we're good here yeah. at this point. <laughs> so uh, again, the, uh, the the link to that article, it's, it's a short article, but that'll be in our show notes, so you can take a look at that by uh, Patrick Spike. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And Yes, uh, indeed. As a matter of fact, because uh, Thanksgiving will be coming up in a few days, we wanted to take this opportunity to thank our listeners for tuning in, for hopefully enjoying what we're putting out here. <laughs> we certainly hope so. And if you are enjoying it, thank you for spreading the word, if you are doing that as well. And thank you in advance for continuing to listen to us or for going back to check out our uh, previous episodes. Yep, they're all available. Uh, you can get them through uh, iTunes from... Uh, Google, I think. What about Stitcher? Is that still? Stitcher is still there, yeah. Okay. So those three locations are where you can find us. You can uh, always get those links from our website, which is backstage.link. Indeed. And, uh, of course, we said it before, but feel free to drop us a line at podcast at backstage.link. And we're also on Facebook. You can just search for the Backstage Show Podcast. Indeed. Uh, So, again, thank you and uh, enjoy your turkey or tofurkey or (laughs) ham, whatever you're going to have later this week. Or if you're in another country, uh, enjoy your week, your regular week. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, we're really just uh, summing things up nicely here. So we don't even need outtakes. This whole closing thing is like an outtake. Closing thing. Closing statement. Uh, Yeah, bye. (laughs) Is it time for a beer yet? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) See you next week. See ya. Thanks. And you've been listening to the Backstage Show. Bye now. Bye-bye. Is this part of the episode? Are we recording this? (laughs) It's recording. Yeah, it's it's been running for 13 (laughs) minutes already. It contains two and uh, the, the caffeine of two and a quarter cups of coffee. Oh dear God! There's no way in hell I could be drinking that. We could do like a Christmas. thing at the end of the episode just to say, as this is the week of Thanksgiving, we'd like to thank all of our listeners. There you go. I like that. We or hope we can just use that what you just said in the outtake. We're hope. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you're. Uh, we're glad. Uh, hoping. Hope you. Yeah. Rolling with the punches. We're rolling with the punches. We're going with the, the flow. 
my cats on multiple occasions has actually managed to figure out how to unzip my lunch bag to get at a sandwich inside of it. That is some talented cattage. Our cats are advanced. <laughs> not to brag. Glenn, I do not appreciate you going out and telling people about my fancy thing. Can I hear me now? Before we start, let me grab some, some beverage. Grab some beverage. Please stay tuned while Jim grabs some beverage. Before I forget, let me silence Verizon. Jim will be right back. Now he's going to silence Verizon. Stay tuned.